Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swillard. I uh, once heard it said that although every believer has the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit does not have every believer. Although every believer has Holy Spirit, not, uh, Holy Spirit does not have every believer. Oh, man, hmm, that's interesting. What do you think that means? I thought of this picture, you know. This glass here is like your life. And this is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and he inhabits you. And he's there. And he lives in you. And he's making your life his home. And oh, what a difference he has made. No, not really. He's not making that much of a difference in your life right now. Why is that? I mean, he's taking up residence in your life. He's there. He's living on the inside of you. But why is there not very much activity? Why is there not much presence? Why is there not much power? It's because we have compartmentalized our life over here. Here we are, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, but here are our thoughts. Here's our feelings. Here's our heart. Here is our worldview. Here are our relationships, our finances, our work life. We've sequestered that all over here. We've compartmentalized it over here. We've siloed it off over here, and we say, yeah, I've got, yeah, Holy Spirit, yeah, every believer has the Holy Spirit, but Holy Spirit does not have every believer. And so because of that, your life looks hardly any different than the life of someone else who's not following Jesus. I mean, yeah, Holy Spirit's in there. I can see it. You know, I can hear it. I can hear him. But it, your life looks hardly any different than the life of someone who's not following Jesus, a life of someone who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. So what do we do? We decompartmentalize. We say, you know what, Holy Spirit, I want you to touch every area of my life. I want you to have your way in me and through me. I want you to have your way in my heart and in my thoughts and in every part, my relationships, my finances, my work life, and every way that I view the world. And what do we have? We've got activity. We've got power. We've got presence. Amen? We have to let Holy Spirit into every area of our life. And when you do that, your life will come alive like you've never seen before, like you could never imagine. Today, we're jumping into part five of this series on the Holy Spirit. We started it back in June, but our, our schedule has kind of been off and on a little bit. And here we are now. We've been talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, what it means for us to be filled with the Spirit. And we've been talking about two parts ago, in parts three and four, we started looking at some foundational truths that every believer can know about the Holy Spirit, and every believer needs to know about the person of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to pick up where we left off, but before we do that, let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we come to you now, and we, again, declare your goodness, your good Father. You give good gifts to your children, and your word says that you've given us the Holy Spirit as a gift, so he must be good. So thank you for that. We ask you right now to come in, and wherever there are things about the Holy Spirit that aren't right thinking in us, we pray that you would illuminate that to us, show us your truth, change our minds, change our hearts. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in us, made possible to us by Jesus, the Son, in which you glorify. So, Jesus, we thank you for your life and your death and your resurrection, that you made it possible for the person of God to come and live on the inside of us. And, Holy Spirit, now we tune our ear to your voice. We want to hear you. We want to be changed. We want to be equipped in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. 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 Here's what we, we started to uh, learn a few weeks ago. Just 10 things real quickly. Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is a person. He is eternal. He is the spirit of truth. Holy Spirit was involved in creation. Holy Spirit used people to write the Bible, but he's the author of it. He's the author of the Bible. Holy Spirit is our teacher. Holy Spirit can be grieved. Oh, you guys remember talking about that one? That was real fun, wasn't it? And Holy Spirit can be quenched. Ah, and Holy Spirit is our guide. So that kind of brings us up to where we are right now. The, the first foundational truth that I want to talk about today is this, is that Holy Spirit speaks only what the Father gives him to say. Holy Spirit speaks only what the Father gives him to say. Jesus told his disciples this about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 13. We're not going to have all the scriptures up there. We'll have the references up there today. But if you want to keep notes, I encourage you to do that because, number one, it'll help you retain it better. Number two, it's easy for, for reference, for quick reference. Sometimes I'm listening to a message or something, and I'm thinking, man, this is really good. I should be taking notes. And then I just don't do it. And then I'm like, why am I not doing this? Because I want to remember this stuff, and I want to go back and be able to reference it quickly. And so just, just take notes. They don't have to be perfect. I think sometimes that's the thing that paralyzes me is that I think, well, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be right. I've got to have everything bulleted out just the perfect way. Just scribble some things down. Just type it out in your phone, whatever. John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus told his disciples this about the Holy Spirit. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. Now, back in part three of the series, we just kind of real quickly, we uh, talked about this verse. We kind of brushed on it real quickly. This verse in the King James Version, which has nothing to do with LeBron, it, it, it's not accurately translated. In the, in the KJV, it reads this. It says, he shall not speak of himself. That's how it reads in the, in the KJV. So... Some scholars have said that this is like one of the most unfortunate errors in biblical translation history. Reading the verse to say that he shall not speak of himself has misled a lot of good people to think that, you know, there's little to no reason to ever mention the Holy Spirit. You know, they think, well, if Holy Spirit wouldn't speak of himself, then I guess then I shouldn't speak of him or I shouldn't say very much about him because then I wouldn't want to say something that he wouldn't say himself, right? But not right because that translation of that passage is not correct. It's not accurate. It's not right on. And so it's a mistake to think that way because the translation's a mistake. And, and really, it doesn't even follow good logic when you think about it because the reason we even know what the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit is because he's the one that authored the Bible, Right? 
So see how that makes sense? So the accurate translation is not he would not speak of himself. He does not speak of himself. The accurate translation is that he does not speak on his own or he does not speak on his own authority, which means whatever the Holy Spirit speaks, whatever the Holy Spirit does, it's in tandem. It's in agreement. It's in line with the Father. Whatever the Father speaks, that's what the Holy Spirit's going to speak. You don't need to be afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. I don't know what your background, your, your you know, church background was. But I'm just let you know, from a biblical standpoint, from a biblical point of view, you don't need to be worried to talk about the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Father and the Son would be quite delighted if you talked about the Holy Spirit. If you look in the Bible, Holy Spirit continues in the exact same pattern that Jesus did. Jesus said this in John chapter 5, uh, 19. He says, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So Jesus took his cues from the Father. What to say, where to go, who to minister to, etc., so on and so forth. He did nothing without getting the green light from heaven. Everything that Jesus did was in tandem with. It was in agreement with. It was in line with the Father. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here in this passage about Holy Spirit. The exact same thing. The Holy Spirit does nothing without the green light from heaven. So when we say the Holy Spirit speaks only what the Father gives him to say... What that means is that the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, that they are all in perfect unity. They're all together in harmony. They're all in agreement with one another. Amen. The next foundational truth is this. Holy Spirit will predict the future. Holy Spirit will predict the future. If we keep reading in John 16, 13, Jesus goes on to say this. He, the Holy Spirit, will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit will tell you what is yet to come. Because this is the basis for prophecy. So there's all kinds of references to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. If you look throughout all the Old Testament, you know, whether uh, these, you saw prophecies from Moses or Elijah or Samuel or Malachi or whoever, they were all born from the Holy Spirit. They were breathed from Him. They were birthed from Him. For instance, Isaiah 53 if you look at that, Isaiah chapter 53, it is written in such a way where it is just obvious. It's obviously prophetically speaking about the Messiah, about the Messiah's life and the Messiah's death. And then if we look in the life of Jesus, we look at Jesus' life and we look at Jesus' death, we see that every bit of that prophecy was perfectly fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Isaiah 46.10 says this, I've made known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. And I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Who do you think inspired Isaiah to write that? The Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 11, Agabus, uh, he, he knew somehow that there was famine coming to the Roman Empire. How did he know that? Did he just, just randomly guess that? No. The Holy Spirit revealed it to him. The Holy Spirit showed him what was to come, what was yet to come. Acts chapter 27, Paul is on this ship, and he knows 
we're going to shipwreck. We are going to crash this sucker. How did he know that? Because the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. The Holy Spirit showed him what was yet to come. The Holy Spirit can predict the future, and the Holy Spirit will do that in your life. It is not limited to Agabus. It is not limited to Isaiah. It is not limited to Paul. The Holy Spirit can do that in your life. I want to tell you a story. I didn't even think about this until now. When Jamie and I, we had been married for a couple years, and we moved from Texas to rural Missouri to go into our very first position in full-time ministry. And we had been in this little town of 9,000 people in the middle of north-central Missouri for uh, several months already, and we'd been staying in this rental house, and, but we're looking to buy. We're wanting to buy a house. And so we've been looking around at different places, and, man, it just didn't seem like we could find something that we really liked or wanted, you know. It was just a smaller market, not a lot of choices, and, and then it had to fit in our budget of being, you know, early 20s and not having any money to be having a down payment or anything like that. So there's all these conditions. And we're having dinner at some friend's house one night, and they're talking about, oh, hey, have you guys looked at such and such house? Our cousin owns this. And it just so happened we knew exactly what house they were talking about because it was on the main drag of our town. And it was a beautiful house, but we didn't even inquire into it because of the location. It was right there on the main street. And right at a, you know, there was a red light that was almost right in front of it. And, uh, you know, big old semi-trucks would come barreling down and, you know, putting their brakes on. And it's just a loud place. And the houses around it were not really all that desirable either. You know, it wasn't really like the, the ideal neighborhood to raise kids in. And so we hadn't even thought about going to look at that house. But we're sitting there and this guy, our friend, is telling us all about it. And he says, I know where the keys are. We can just go over there right now and look. And so just to be nice, you know, we're like, okay, yeah, we'll go over. We'll take a look. So, you know, he called his cousin up. We got the keys. You know, we walked into the back of the house through the back door. And the Holy Spirit immediately said to me, I didn't even go through the rest of the house. I stepped into the back kitchen of that house. And the Holy Spirit said, this will be profitable for you someday. And I just knew it. I knew that the Holy Spirit said that to me. Did that make any sense? No, it didn't make any sense. And we were in that house five years. And in this little town, there was a corporation called Walgreens that wanted to come to town. And that corporation wanted to buy the corner, purchase the corner where our house sat on that block. And Walgreens purchased all these little crummy properties that were around us, and then they, then they had to pay us. And let me tell you, it was profitable for us, praise God. The Holy Spirit will predict the future. We just have to listen and trust and obey. Amen? Amen. Oh, we bought the house. I hope you know that. Right, right? I didn't say that. All right. So, so praise God. Holy Spirit knows the beginning from the end. He knows the future as perfectly as he knows the past. The next foundational truth about the Holy Spirit is that he will glorify Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus Christ. That's one of his primary roles, is to glorify Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He says, He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Now, do you have any idea? Like, the disciples have any clue what he was talking about in that moment? I, I, 
I don't know. If I was a disciple, I'd be like, what? What are you talking about? At this time in this moment, the disciples weren't even, didn't even know the cross was coming. So what do you mean? He's going to take from what is yours, and he's going to show, you know, make it known to us. You know, one of the marvelous characteristics about the Trinity is that the persons of the Godhead, they heap praise on one another. There's no jealousy. There's no rivalry within the Godhead. The Father does not mind if you pray to Jesus or does not mind if you pray to the Holy Spirit. The Father honors the Spirit and the Son. And the Son honors the Father and the Spirit. And the Spirit glorifies Jesus and speaks only what the Father says. So what does it mean that the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus? What does that mean? How does the Holy Spirit accomplish this work of glorifying Jesus? The way that the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus is that he uses a tool called honor. He gives honor to Jesus for who he is, for what he has said. For, he gives honor to Jesus for who he is, for, for what Jesus has said, for what Jesus had, has done, for what Jesus is doing, for what Jesus will do. He gives him honor. I'm telling you what, it's a powerful tool. If we're supposed to reflect the character and the nature of the Holy Spirit, I've been thinking a lot about honor recently. Thinking about a lot of things in my life that throughout my entire life where I've dishonored and where I have honored. I'll tell you what, it doesn't always feel good to give honor to people because some people you feel like, well, they don't deserve it. But I'm telling you what, I want to reflect the character and the nature of of the Holy Spirit who lives within me. And if he is the one that's honoring Jesus and giving glory to Jesus, then I want to use the tool of honor in my life, in my relationships. And I tell you what, every time I do that, man, I'm never disappointed. That doesn't mean that people always reciprocate, but I, it means there's a peace within me knowing, man, I am doing, I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, praise God. So the Holy Spirit gives Jesus the honor that he deserves, and he helps us give Jesus the honor that he deserves now, but also the honor that he deserves on the last day. On the last day when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Y'all need to be more excited about that. Let me just say this. There's no such thing as praising Jesus too much. You can't do it. It's impossible to heap too much praise on Jesus. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit in leading us and guiding us and showing us how to give honor to Jesus and showing us how to worship Jesus. And sometimes, you know what? I hold back. But you know what? There's a desire that i got to stir up on the inside of me. There's a flame that i got to, to get some fuel to, get some air to when it comes to following the Holy Spirit's lead in worshiping Jesus. Going back to John chapter 14, 16, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would take what is mine and make it known to you. So the questions there are, well, what is Jesus's and what is it that he's making known to us? Well, what is Jesus's? His work as redeemer. And what is being made known to us? The glory and the praise that Jesus deserves. Jesus is the focus. He's the one who was to be glorified and who was glorified. Makes me think of that Charles Wesley song. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. John chapter 17, verse 1 through 5, Jesus prayed, 
Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had before the world began. See, the glory of Jesus is the focus. He is our Redeemer. He is the God-man. He is the Word made flesh. And when Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would take what is mine, he was saying that the focus would be on the Redeemer, on the Savior of the world, and that's exactly what Holy Spirit does. He glorifies Jesus by helping us focus, putting our attention and our affections on Jesus. The next foundational truth is, is a real fun one, like, kind of like the fun ones that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Are you ready for it? <laughs> All right, thank you, Amy. The Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. Oh, I don't want to talk about this, JD. It's not fun. Uh, but remember, if it's in the Bible, if it's in the Bible, if it's in here, then I want to know it. I need to know it. Right? So the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus said, Blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Oh, no, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, it's not fun. How many of you have ever read this passage or you've heard about it before and it scared you just enough for a little pee to come out? <laughs> Be honest. Come on. Yes. No. This scripture right here, what it's talking about is often referred to as, anybody want to take a stab? The impardonable sin. Why is it called that? Because there's no forgiveness for the one who blasphemes the Holy Spirit. How many of you at ever any point in your life have ever thought and you've ever wondered and you've ever been afraid? Have I done this? Have I committed the impardonable sin? Have I blasphemed the Spirit? Thank you for your honesty. I'm raising my hand because it's, uh, you know, I've done things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've done it. God can't forgive me. But the reason, really, I promise you this, the reason that you've wondered or you thought or you were afraid that you committed the unpardonable sin is because no one ever sat to explain to you what it meant really to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Great question. I'm glad you asked. First, let's, let's talk for a second about what does it not mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So blaspheming the Holy Spirit is not sinning against the moral law, okay? It's not murder. It's not adultery. It's not theft. It's not lying. It's not envy. Um, it's not anything. That, it's not the Ten Commandments, okay? King David committed adultery, and then he conspired to murder, you know, the, the guy, the, the husband of the guy that, you know, the woman that he committed adultery with. And he was forgiven. Praise God. Praise God? Praise God. He was forgiven. Yes, thank you. The impardonable sin is when one's final verdict regarding the gospel, is to show contempt for the Spirit's testimony. What is the Spirit's testimony? To glorify Jesus, right? Revealing His deity. One blasphemes the Holy Spirit by in their last breath, they are denying that Jesus is God, or according to Mark chapter 3, saying that Jesus has an evil spirit. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So how can you know that you haven't committed the unpardonable sin? If you can simply testify that Jesus is Lord, that he's God, then you can know, I haven't blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. 
Everybody should take a big old deep breath right now and just release that. Whoo! Praise God. Uh, back in the day, there would be traveling evangelists that would come to town, and they would hold revivals a week or two, and inevitably, you know, they're going to talk about the unpardonable sin, right? And man, they're all fiery about it, preaching about it, and, um, you know, it's, they'd preach about it like they're trying to scare everybody to death. And they kind of would. I mean, they're trying to, like, I guess they're trying to scale, scare the hell out of everybody. Because at the end of their message, people would run down to the front, even Christians. And they would say, I'm surrendering my life to you, Jesus. Christians. Because they are afraid that they somehow committed the unpardonable sin. That it was never explained to them what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit was. It was never explained to them what the unpardonable sin was. And so people are, are running down front because, man, I don't want to go to hell. I'm afraid I've committed the unpardonable sin. One time there was this one guy, incredibly strong in his faith, incredibly strong in his faith, and he, he always remembered this time before he surrendered his life to Jesus that one time he got so worked up over something, I don't know what the situation was, I don't know what the scenario was, but he blurted out, Damn you, Holy Ghost! And... He got saved, he got born again, and he heard someone talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, but not explaining it. And then he just lived with great worry and anxiety for years and years and years, thinking that that's what that meant blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. Now, was that an okay thing for him to do and say? No, it wasn't. But that's not what the unpardonable sin was. That's not the, you know, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's not what that is. Now, fortunately, praise God, he had a wonderful pastor and that pastor, you know, was able to explain to him and talk to him and show him in the scriptures, this is what it is. You know, in your last breath, can you give testimony to Jesus Christ that he is Lord? If not, or if you're saying that Jesus has an evil spirit, that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit because that's the testimony of the Spirit. And you know what? When he realized that, when he saw that in the Bible and saw that scripturally, all this weight and this anxiety and this worry just lifted right off of him, and he was free from that, praise God. Amen? For, you know, so hear this. I want, I want you to hear this. If you can say in your heart that Jesus is God, that Jesus is Lord, you have not blasphemed the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, Paul said this. He said that no one can even say that Jesus is Lord, but by that the Holy Spirit has revealed it to them. So, got just a minute left here, a couple minutes left here. The last foundational truth that we're going to talk about today is that Holy Spirit is our reminder. Holy Spirit is our reminder. 1 John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I have taught you. Everything that I have told you, Holy Spirit will remind you of that. Now I want to ask you, have you ever forgotten anything important? Andrew, thank you for your honesty. Appreciate that. You and I were the only forgetful people in the room. I'm not talking about things like, you know, something on your grocery list, or you forgot to make the deposit in the bank, or you forgot, you know, the kids to pick them up on time. Those are all important things, but what I'm talking about is like some spiritual revelation, some truth from heaven, and somehow... You've kind of lost that. You've forgotten that. You don't really kind of get it like maybe that you or you've been taught and you're like, I just don't understand. And maybe you are kind of out of sorts with yourself about it. Maybe you feel bad about it in some way. Don't worry. 
You don't need to worry. The Holy Spirit will remind you and reveal to you all that you have been taught, all that you've been told. Picture this with me. The disciples, they're listening to Jesus give the Sermon on the Mount. Do you think that, let me just say this, the Sermon on the Mount is known throughout the world and across cultures and not just within Christianity. I mean, it's known as like the greatest sermon ever preached, ever, in the history of the world. Do you think that the disciples really knew that in that moment? (laughs) Do you think that, oh man, this is good, I better write this down. Do you... And, and so the disciples are listening to Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount. The disciples are listening to any number of the parables that Jesus has given. In the, throughout the Gospels, there's like 30-ish parables that are recorded of Jesus. That he, There may have been more that Jesus said, but those are the ones that we have recorded. Do you think they were able to remember them exactly, perfectly? It, all the, the interactions that the disciples had, or excuse me, that Jesus had with, with the disciples... All the interactions that he had with the Sadducees, with the Pharisees. Do you think they're like, oh my gosh, man, this is good. I got to open up a note right now on Evernote. I got to open up a Google Doc and we got to write these things down. I don't want to forget this. These are good notes here. Do you think like, you know, Jesus is performing some kind of miracle or he's saying something and they're like, oh yeah, here we go. This is going on my Insta story. This is... Facebook Live, I want everybody to see this. I, want to, I don't want to forget about this. Or, or I, want to, ooh, I want to take a picture of this. I like when it comes up on my time hop in my Facebook memories. I'll remember it that way. Do you think that, that they were able to do that? No. No, of course it didn't happen. So how are they able to remember everything so accurately? Because of what Jesus said. Hey, guys, don't worry. If you can't remember everything right now, if you don't get it all right now, if you don't understand it all right now, it's okay. The Holy Spirit will remind you of what I taught. Stay with me here now. People say sometimes, well, why do I, why do I need to read my Bible? You know? Sometimes it's just kind of like a little boring. I don't understand it all. Why do I need to take time to memorize Scripture? I don't always get it. You know, why do you need to take time and listen to teaching and preaching? Sometimes it's a little dry. Sometimes it's a little boring. Sometimes a pastor comes out and he does stupid illustrations with water and glasses and stuff. And he says crazy things. Why do I need to do that? Listen, even if you don't understand it all right now, even if you don't understand everything that you're reading in the scriptures, even if you don't understand everything that's being preached, even if you don't understand everything right now in the place of prayer, even if you're in your city group and you're sitting there and you don't understand, why does everybody else around here seem like they're getting it and I don't? Don't worry. I promise you, at the right time, in the right moment, maybe even when you least expect it, Holy Spirit will remind you of what you need to be reminded of. Well, some people say, well, I just need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's all I need. I just need the Holy Spirit to just knock me to the floor. And I know that, you know, when I get up, you know, man, I'm going to be changed. And listen, I'm all about encounters like that, praise God. I'd love to have an encounter like that where I'd be knocked out on the floor by the power and presence of God and just sit there in his peace and him showing me and ministering to me for hours. That would be wonderful. I'm not knocking that. But I heard someone say this once. 
if you were empty-headed before you hit the floor, you might just still be empty-headed when you get up off the floor. So what's my part? My part is to seek God. My part is to learn the ways of God. My part is to read and study my Bible. My part is to uh, spend time in the place of prayer in my personal time, but also in the corporate setting because I can pick up and learn some things about prayer by being around other people that are doing it, to come into agreement with people. I, I, can, I can get into a city group and I can expose myself to to. A community of people spending time and doing life with people that love Jesus and hearing insight from them. I don't, I'm not going to sleep in on Sunday morning. I'm going to get up and I'm going to get to church because I want to be with the people of God, worshiping God. And I'm going to be here and I'm going to learn and I'm going to look around and see who can I pour into, who can I bless, who needs encouragement. And then, you know, what's going to happen? Then, oh. What am I going to find? I'm going to find that I'm being encouraged and I'm being blessed and I'm being poured into because you always reap what you? Right. Listen, I'm not talking about following just a bunch of religious rules. I'm not talking about jumping through a bunch of religious hoops. What I am talking about is doing things that coincide and come into agreement with and being in tandem with and being in line with what the Holy Spirit wants to do through my life. I want to give the Holy Spirit something good to work with. Thank you. I don't want to compartmentalize my life. I want the Holy Spirit to touch every part of my life. Why? So His power can flow in me and through me and change the world around me. Amen? Would you stand with me? Holy Spirit, we thank you. You are so good to us. You lead us. You guide us. You teach us all things. You bring to our remembrance the things that we have, have, have said and the things in, the, in remembrance that we have studied. Thank you. I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to move in the hearts of every single person in this room. And with as many different people that are in this room, we're all kind of in different places with different situations going on, with different conditions of our heart, different circumstances in our life. But you can meet us all right where we are right now at this very moment, and we ask you for that right now. Holy Spirit, just speak to us right now. We ask you. Everybody just chill and just listen to see if Holy Spirit tells you something right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you that your character and your nature is the exact same as the Father's and the Son's. And we sing about the goodness of God and we sing about the faithfulness of Jesus. And that is who you are as well. You are good. You are faithful. And you want to fill us with dynamite power so that we can establish your kingdom here on earth. God, we're not waiting to get to heaven. God, we look forward to that day when we get to see you face to face. 
to be in your presence, to walk on the streets of gold, to cross over and walk through the boundary of those pearly gates. We look forward to that, but we're not waiting on that. What we're waiting on, what we're doing now is we're establishing your kingdom here on the earth. God, we pray that Seeds Church, we pray that every church in Murfreesboro, in this nation and around the world, would be outposts of the kingdom. They would be bringing the culture of your kingdom from heaven to earth. And you're not just doing it through a brand or a corporation or an organization, God, but you're doing it through people, through us, through people like me, through people like my friends here in this room. That's what we want. Fill us with your power so that we can be bold witnesses in Murfreesboro, in Christiana, in Smyrna, in Franklin, in Laverne, in Nashville, in Wilson County, in Sumner County, God, in Williamson County, in Murray County, God, wherever we go, all around the world, in Panama, in Costa Rica, in China, all over Africa, wherever you give us influence. God, when we walk into the restaurant this afternoon to have lunch, We thank you that your presence lives in us. And we are atmosphere changers because you are the one that's changing the atmosphere. And so we ask you now first to change the atmosphere of our heart. Change the atmosphere of our thoughts. Where we're thinking and believing is not right. Where it doesn't line up with you. We ask you now. We give you permission. We come into agreement. We're tandem with you. We come in line with you right now in the name of Jesus. If you're here today... And you would say, man, I feel like I'm far from God, but I feel something right now that's just tugging me to make that decision, to declare Jesus as Lord, to say, yeah, that he is, he is God. And you've never done that before. Maybe you did that once a long time ago, but you've kind of walked away from a life that reflects that belief. I want to invite you right now to respond. And it's, you're not responding to me. You're responding to the Holy Spirit. Because what do we just read? That it, No one can say that Jesus is God without the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's tugging on your heart. He's the one that's tapping your shoulder. And I just want to invite you, make that decision right now. Make it right now. You can just pray with me. God, I just come to you right now, and I surrender my life to you. I've been doing life my old way, but I now want to do it your way. I want to declare Jesus as Lord, as being in charge of my life. I declare that he is God. I believe that, God, you raised him from the dead. And now I want to give my life to you. Come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I renounce the past and I lay claim to the future that you have for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come and do do something awesome in my life and through my life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.